Hello, everyone. I am here with Ido. He's the CEO of Better Seeds, which is a company I've been really excited to hear about. Now, Ido, just tell me, tell me about yourself a little bit. Tell me about the company. When did it start? Yeah. So, hi, Shaul, and thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm Ido Margulit. I'm an agronomist by my occupation. Uh, I founded uh, Better Seeds five years ago, and I am the CEO. I'm the co-founder, by the way. Prior to working at and founding uh, Better Seeds, I worked at Syngenta. Syngenta is the largest agritech company in the world, and I worked at their seeds division. So I am a seeds guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, during my work at Syngenta, I, I've been acquainted to a really breakthrough new technology called CRISPR technology. And uh, after I left Syngenta together with the co-founder, Dr. Tal Sherman, who also worked at Syngenta, being a researcher, we already understood way back then over five years ago that the future of agriculture in order to feed the world with all the food security issues that we're now facing, it has to be centered around genetics. And with this really new technology called CRISPR, we're now capable of developing good and better genetics that will enable agriculture to overcome all the potential hurdles. So over five years ago, we founded the company. And since then, we've been concentrating on applying CRISPR technology and making crops much better. Wow. Okay. That, first of all, that that's that's really interesting stuff. Now, so you, how long how long did you work at well, how long did you work at that company for Syngenta? At Syngenta, I worked for six years. Six years, and then you guys both, you and the co-founder, both left together to start your own company. Exactly. Well, for full disclosure, Syngenta. Uh, was acquired by the Chinese, the biggest Chinese acquisition mm. outside of China. So we knew beforehand that very soon they're going to do a lot of downsizing as a result of this acquisition. So let's just say it was not our choice, but we already had a plan, a B plan afterwards. Well, now tell me a little bit, give me a little more background before then. So you went to school to study seeds. What's the word you are? An you- agronomist. Tell me about that. What is that like? So in Israel, by the way, the only school that at least at my time uh, uh, provided this sort of a certificate uh, was the Hebrew University, mm-hmm. the Faculty of Agriculture. And they teach you over there. There's a, a few disciplines that are involved around agriculture. Some of them are for seeds production. Some of them are for crop protection, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this was the main in my time, the only agriculture faculty. It is considered still Israel's top leading agriculture faculty, and I believe one of the leading agriculture faculties in the world. By the way, uh, our uh, top advisor, Professor uh, Chaim Rabinovich, uh, who was the rector of the Faculty of Agriculture, he's the guy who developed the cherry tomato. I assume I don't have to tell you what the cherry tomato is. (laughs) And he's the forefather of modern breeding. He's the guy who developed the first modern trait what's called shelf life it's a wow. trait that enabled us to consume vegetables and fruits not in the season by providing right. an extended shelf life so he's the guy who developed it over 40 years ago uh, uh, as a researcher in the faculty of agriculture and by the way he is our chief breeding advisor since better seeds inception five really years. really yes. wait so how old is he he must be pretty old because this was he's not a, he's not a young guy he's a healthy vibrant guy but he's that's not amazing. Young that's amazing <laughs> okay so you guys have started you guys decided to start better seeds five years ago just tell me about that process you what do you where do you go from there so you're like i we, we're very we know what we're doing with seeds we want to create 
a better seed for the world that, you know, I, we're going to talk about that soon. Just tell me about the process of starting the company and from five years ago till now, what, what has happened in, in those five years? Actually, it's a very interesting story because over five years ago, when we left Syngenta, we had in our vision, let's make soybean betters. Let's make tomato betters using this new CRISPR technology, which if you don't know what it is, I'll be more than happy to elaborate further on. But uh, we went to investors and we said, we want to make better plant genetics. And the average Israeli investor was like, you know, agriculture, genetics, it's not for us. And I said, well, no, but wait, it's this CRISPR technology. And they're like, what, CRISPR, what? That was before CRISPR technology uh, got the Chemistry Nobel Prize Award in 2020. So mm-hmm. over five years ago, it was, uh, what's this strange word? Nobody really knew what CRISPR was. So no, no, not for us, no, thank you. So then we started looking uh, where there are deep pockets and money available. And that's where we became acquainted with the cannabis industry. Mm. And being seeds persons, and we immediately identified major gaps that existed in the hemp and the cannabis industry. Mm. And we uh, uh, came up with, uh, I would say, a plan whereby we apply what we dreamt about for soybean and tomatoes on hemp and cannabis. So we did get the funding, we did uh, create the company, we did uh, accumulate all the available know-how and resources. And three years after, that's uh, over two years ago, we understood that we have reached critical mass uh, or the critical mass for the company. And now it's time to take out from the drawer, the original plan and mm. to make better seeds uh, uh, happen and apply all that, we've ha- all that we have, all the resources, all the know-how back in soybean, tomatoes, et cetera, in order to feed the world. Wow. I love that. I love that story because you used you used what you needed to do in order to get where you are now. Because to get to your goal, it didn't matter how you got there. You said this is this is where the funding is. This is what I'm going to do, and now you're you're on track to do to do what you want. Exactly. You know, if we would have gotten the funding five years ago, we could have had our products a long time ago on the market, and now lo and behold. Our vision, it was a negative vision of all the problems that we'll be facing agriculture have realized. I mean, and still, by the way, people still avoid the major issue of food security. People are not understanding that the climate change and food security are alive and kicking right now. If you haven't understood that yet, you, yeah, if anyone here is like a climate change, you know, it's a different political issue, but at least food security. If anyone is lying to themselves that this is not the situation, no, 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 it is, it's happening. And we need to solve it. And there's a different methods of solving it. Yeah, you could do technology. There's a lot of people that believe only in technology, you know, drones, robots, sensors, that will save agriculture. No, 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 no. You know, that, that, that's just an interim solution because all those solutions are based on genetics. Now, if your tree cannot grow at, uh, uh, I don't know, I don't know Fahrenheit, I only know Celsius, so yeah, I apologize. No problem. But let's say in Celsius, if your tree cannot bear fruits over 30 degrees Celsius, it doesn't matter how many drone sensors and, and robots you have, there won't be any fruits to pick. So it doesn't really matter the technology. The only way to solve the climate change issues that affect food security, genetics. That's the only long-term solution. Now, what you envisioned five years ago or 10 years ago, what you what you guys envisioned what was the actual tell me about the tell me about this, this the food security issues that you envisioned that are happening now what, what did you see was going to happen and what is happening and what do you see happening in the future because that and which is the reason for creating better seed 
Yeah, so we, we are focused on two major issues that are very relevant today. And we see that already now acutely. And that is that agriculture is not profitable. So anywhere that the labor is very expensive and a lot of agriculture is based on a lot of on, on much labor, it's being phased out. In Israel today, where labor is very expensive, agriculture is a disappearing discipline. There's few, very little grows in Israel. The same is happening in Europe, the same is happening in the United States. So a lot of the crops that are being grown today are being handpicked. Handpicking is labor. Labor equals a lot of money. A lot of money means not profitable. So a lot of the crops have to be changed from being handpicked to make a nice harvesting. So this was one of our most fundamental pillars that we already identified and concentrated on five years ago. Let's move crops that are being handpicked, change the architecture, and make them a mechanized harvest ready. The second thing, of course, is climate change. We already saw that the temperature is increasing. A lot of the crops today are not bringing the same yield that they did if they bring any yield at all because of the rise of the temperature. It doesn't have to rise by 10 degrees Celsius again. It's enough that they rise by one or one and a half degrees Celsius and you get zero yield or significantly no yield. Just two, three weeks ago, there was a huge TV show in Israel that talked about that one and a half degrees Celsius. I don't know how much in Fahrenheit, but it's not that much in Celsius. Rising heat in Israel decimated the apple industry in North Israel. We're talking about an eight decade long industry, decimated it in two, three years. And Israel is well known for its wine and vineyards. It reduced the yield of the grapevines by 70 to 80%, just one and a half degrees Celsius. So it, the, the two issues are labor. If, it's, if it requires a lot of labor, it's not profitable. It's not economical to, make, to sustain agriculture in the country where it's not profitable. And the second thing is, if the climate does not fit growing the, the, the crops, you just cannot grow them. So those were the two major things that we focused on and, and, and developing the, the, the solutions for those two major problems. Um, and what about, what about um, pesticides? What about certain type of like bugs that are destroying crops? Is that a major issue that you're thinking of or that's something that just happens? Yes, but it's not a generic problem because South America might have their own pests. Mm-hmm. Africa might have their own other pests. North America has its own pests. So we were looking for, I would call it a common chassis, a global common chassis that is the major. For most of the pests, with all due respect, there's excellent pesticides. Working at Syngenta, I can tell you they have excellent pesticides. Mm -hmm. Spray the pesticide, you kill the pests, problem solved. Temperature, Mm -hmm. I cannot change the temperature outside. Making it, how do I make it that I can make a nice harvest? I cannot do magic. I have to change something genetically. Now, okay, so those are the two issues. What does better seed come to salt? Like, what, what's the, you, what's the solution with better seeds? Like, what, what's the, what is it? So first of all, we recognize a major problem that exists in applying CRISPR technology. As I said, a genetic enhancement of the crops is the needed solution mm-hmm. in order for us to handle the costs of harvesting and the climate change. The tool that will enable that is CRISPR technology. But though, uh, by the way, we didn't develop CRISPR technology. It was developed by MIT, Harvard, and Berkeley University. And, and Corteva has an exclusive license from uh, Berkeley University for agriculture application. So it's not an open technology. You have to get a license uh, for that. CRISPR, once it's in the plant cell itself, 
it does its job very well. The challenge is how do I apply CRISPR to all the different kind of crops? The mm -hmm. fact that I know how to apply it in one specific crop, let's say soybean, and the next day I want to apply it, let's say on pepper plant, or let's say on wheat or any other crop, it, it, does, it will not necessarily work. I might have to uh, uh, invest months, years, if at all, to make CRISPR uh, uh, work on different crops. So the biggest gap is how do I deliver CRISPR broadly to all crops? And this is something that we encountered in cannabis. Cannabis was an extremely difficult crop to apply CRISPR on. I can tell you that we recruited uh, Dr. Shira Korem, our VP of R&D. She did her postdoctorate in Israel's leading plant science institute. It's called Vulcani Institute. And she did it on gene editing, CRISPRing yeah. tomatoes. And when we recruited her, she said, oh, you know, three, four, five months, I will gene edit uh, cannabis. Three, four, five months passed like that. One year passed like that, two years, nothing almost worked until we understood that we had to think outside the box and not to force CRISPR to work in cannabis, but to find a delivery technology that will take it very easily into the cannabis cells. And then we understood, wow, we have here a generic solution that is agnostic to the type of the crop. So I can now make it work in pepper, can I make it work in cannabis, I can now apply it on virtually almost any crop. And right. uh, so that's the solution that we bring. We are actually, we call it boosting CRISPR technology. We're actually enabling the use and application of CRISPR technology in agriculture. And as I said, CRISPR will solve all the uh, food security issues. So we're providing a tool that is completely missing in agriculture for the use of CRISPR technology. That's yeah. number one thing that, that uh, we've been doing. The other thing is uh, we have, uh, we decided to focus on a few products that we're developing. I would say that one of our major ones, apart from cannabis and hemp, cannabis and hemp are very important, but they do not feed the world. So we looked at what is the biggest gap that exists today in, in the food industry. And soybean being the number one plant-based protein that is used uh, in order to develop uh, food products, it's, it's a crop uh, that is going to suffer heavily due to climate change. It's a crop that needs temperate climate a lot of water and a lot of fertilizers. Yeah. All the things that climate change is going to apply, temperature is rising, water is going to be very scarce, it's already quite scarce, and, and, and the fertilizers are becoming scarce again. It's not an endless abundant product we have, it's going to finish very soon. So we, a lot of companies, that what are they doing? They're saying, okay, we're going to make soybean better for climate change. We're going to look for genes that may make them more resilient or heat tolerant, make them consume less water, make them uh, need less fertilizers. But we just looked left to soybean at its cousin. And we saw, wow, there's a cousin. It's called cowpea or black eyed peas. And it has almost the same amount of protein that soybean has, but it's drought resistant, it's heat resistant, and it almost needs no fertilizers. But it was overlooked because there was soybean, there was always soybean, who needs cowpea? So cowpea has not been domesticated like soybean in, uh, for mass scale production, and it's grown in third world countries, and it undergoes a, a, a hand picking, manual labor hand picking. So it's not economical. So what we are doing using CRISPR technology is domesticating cowpea for mass scale production and mechanized harvesting. What took 80 years to do in soybean, 
we are doing in two years using CRISPR. So we are bringing an alternative. I don't have to reinvent the wheel and make right. cowpea heat resistant and drought resistant and need less fertilizer. It's already inherently there. I'm just changing its architecture and making it a, a fitting for mechanized harvesting. And then it will be economical to grow it in Brazil, in Argentina, in the United States, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That is very interesting. So CRISPR can be used to, to make a crop better to be harvested by, by machines. That's what, is that, that's what you're saying, right? CRISPR can be used to virtually express any needed trait wow. as long as that gene already exists in the plant. Mm -hmm. We're not introducing a foreign gene. Gotcha. What, okay, so let me go one step behind. What mm -hmm. does modern breeding, conventional breeding done till now? They looked, they screened plants and they looked for a unique phenotype, something interesting that appears in the plant. What is, where does this unique phenotype come from? It comes from a, a natural mutation that happened. It happens, let's say one in a billion. One in a billion occurrences, there's a unique mutation in the plant that makes a very special and unique trait. What the breeders do, they look for those sort of mutations and then they apply those mutations in, in the commercial products that they have. But as I told you, it's one in a billion. So mm -hmm. the chances for you to get the, 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 the mutated gene in order for you to get the trait that you want is almost nil. Gotcha. What the CRISPR does is a targeted mutation in the gene. So if you know what the gap is and you know what the trait is, and you know which gene that exists in the plant, a bit mutating it, you get a positive trait, CRISPR technology will do that. Up to now, you had to rely on the grace of God for that to happen. Now, using CRISPR technology, you can do it by yourself. It's almost like a miracle. That's amazing. It is. Wow. It, that's because CRISPR is hurdled as, I would say, the most important finding in life science in the 21st century. By the way, it's not just being applied in agriculture. CRISPR is applied in, in clinical. Right. I just saw yesterday that uh, Doucher, Boucher, it's approved by the FDA for a very special, very unique genetic disease in humans. Wow. There was no solution for it. Now, CRISPR, voila. It's amazing. Wow. Okay. So first of all, tell me about the company itself, right? Better say, how many employees do you have? We have uh, three sites which we operate on. Mm -hmm. We have our central site uh, that is in Israel, our R&D and the corporate offices, and uh, also our main production site is here in Israel. Yeah. We also have a hemp seeds production facility in San Diego, which is fully owned by us. Mm -hmm. We also have a, a license uh, an LP uh, medical cannabis seeds uh, facility in uh, Montreal in oh. Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, so overall, we have close to 40 employees that are around those three different uh, sites. Gotcha. And, but the main R&D is not the All R&D is done in Israel. And most of the 40 employees that are, most of them are, of course, here in Israel, there are R&D guys, and most of them are plant gen geneticists. Yeah. So we are mostly a plant biotech company because CRISPR is biotech. And since we are also applying uh, the, those unique traits, those biotech traits in, in, the, in the varieties and producing the seeds, we are also a seeds production company. So we are both a biotech and a seeds company. Very interesting. Now, 
how do you how do you market yourself to companies? Like, do they do companies know that you exist? Do they come over to you and say, "We need your help," you know, growing? Or like, how how do people know that that you guys? This is amazing technology, and I feel like every person who grows should want to hear what you can do for their crops. How how do you work with that? So first of all, we're not a service company, so we're a standalone company. So it is not in my business to offer services to whomever will have some sort of a need or an idea for me to solve a specific need that they have. But since we are identified as a leading company in applying CRISPR technology in agriculture, we are approached regularly by potential partners asking us to help them solve problems and develop jointly or only for payment, you know, uh, uh, solutions. And and we do it, uh, by the way, selectively. Only if there's a very unique is synergy then we go 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 along with that <clears throat> and by the way we've been uh, approached about a year and a half ago by Merck Merck is you know the, one of top three pharmaceutical companies in the world right. and uh, they have their own unique CRISPR patent portfolio considered one of the biggest in the world and uh, which they use for clinical applications right. and since Merck doesn't have an agricultural branch they approached us and asked us if we, after they said they screened the different CRISPR companies in the world and they selected us and they asked us if we can check if their CRISPR that they designed for clinical applications uh, will work also in plants. So we do now have a unique uh, joint venture collaboration with Merck to check if their CRISPR technology works also in plants. And of course, we have a license to, 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 to use their uh, technology in plants, making us the only plant company in the world to have access to Merck's technology for plants. So this is just go- shows you an example that we are already recognized as a leading CRISPR company in the world. That is amazing, wow. That is really, now, what do you see the, so you have, what do you see the future now in regards to just food in general? You know, you know, you know, you know the problems, the solutions seem like a solution, the solution here, but, you know, to get that out to the world, to have everyone, you know, I don't know how mainstream it could be, or I want we want it to be, but it's going to be hard. What do you see happening down the road in regards to food? So genetics is not a swipe solution. It's not a technology you can develop and put a bunch of engineers and make a better product in six months and make a much better product and launch it after a year or a year and a half. Genetics takes a long time. CRISPR has reduced it considerably. It increased the likelihood of success and reduced the time considerably, but it will still take a few years. But the problem, the biggest challenge is that the investment in general, in genetics, in plant genetics all over the world has reduced considerably. Even in Israel, it is a challenge of finding breeders, of finding plant geneticists. We have a unique project for trees it took us two years almost to launch this uh, project because we couldn't find in Israel a, a, a tree genetic uh, researcher. Wow. So I would say the biggest challenge is to invest in plant genetics and invest in the education in, 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 in the universities in plant genetics and breeding. If in Israel, which is considered a, a leading place in the world for, for agriculture and plant genetics, we are suffering this huge problem, mm-hmm. I, I am sure that it happens all over the world maybe even more acutely. So wow. the, uh, governments need to invest in genetics. They need to invest in the companies and enable them adopt CRISPR. Also, there's a regulation pro- uh, issue, which is being solved 
uh, slowly uh, because the European Union has classified CRISPR technology as GMO, genetically, genetically modified organism, even though it is not. It's deregulated in Israel, it's deregulated in most of the countries in the world, even countries that are anti-GMO, like Japan and Israel, they're anti-GMO, just like the European Union, but they declassified CRISPR. But European Union, they decided mainly due to a political decision to classify the GMO, then companies around the world, we're not touching CRISPR. We're not touching CRISPR. We do not want to devoid ourselves from this potential market. So you have to, uh, 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 you have to handle the, the regulatory issues relating uh, to uh, uh, CRISPR technology. You have to uh, enable funding because you have, as you understood, CRISPR is a biotech. It's not just enough to bring a breeder in a greenhouse, problem solved, like conventional breeding happens today. It requires scientists, laboratories, machinery. It's a lot of investment if the governments would enable that. And lastly, invest in the education, in the academy. Those three things have to happen. Otherwise, our future is very glum. Wow. By the way, I always like to talk, do you know, have you seen the movie Interstellar? I believe I have. You know, Matthew McConaughey? It, it, it's a futuristic movie that talks Correct. about, let's say, 50 years from now, the planet is dying. Yeah. Why is that? The, it, it, in the opening shot, I think you see the drones and robots. You see that the, 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 there's a combine, a fully robot, a, a, a automated combine harvesting. You see a, a drone running around and imaging everything. But the plant is dying. Why is that? Because there's a fungus, a new fungus, and all the crops around the world cannot handle the fungus. And it doesn't matter how many robots and how many drones and how many sensors you have, the crops are dying because of the fungus, because there's no genetic resistance. So even this futuristic uh, movie, by the way, excellent movie. I yeah. recommend it highly to anyone to see it. Excellent movie. It, it just answers everything. With our plant genetics, with all the climate change, food security is going to be much worse. I, we, we all see it happening. We see also very acutely in the past year or two or few, the water, the, there's water shortages, the, the, yeah, the weather is changing and it doesn't look good for crops at all. The fact that you're saying that the education level is very low for these type of, you know, for these type of jobs, that's not gonna, yeah, that's not gonna, well, we, there has to be a push to teach people so they, so they, so they, can, they can work on it. Wow, very, very interesting. Yeah, I'm trying to process everything, but this is like, uh, CRISPR, first of all, people don't, don't um, have you explain CRISPR because people don't really know what CRISPR even does. They don't know what it, they, they hear the word, they don't know really what it is. So, but you explained it very well. We just understand, you know, like what CRISPR does. It just, it can, I, I don't even still don't understand it fully, but I guess it can, you can choose specific, what was it? Specific, I guess DNA, but it's not really DNA for a plant. Genes in the, Genes. In the DNA, you target yeah. them and you mutate them. And by mutating them, you create a positive trait. Exactly, so that's what it is, wow. But instead of random mutations that happen outside, you make a selective, precise mutation. That's amazing. So what do you see Better Seeds doing, let's say in the future, right? The company's five years old. You're working on a lot of stuff right now. What do you see you guys five, 10 years down the road? Do you, so you talked about, you talked about the peas, right? Do you see, do you see work, yourself working on other types of crops? Are you going to focus on one? Are you, are you going to try to, you know, use, use your technology in different, different regions, different countries, every continent, you know, what's, what's, yeah. what's your vision? We're all, we are a global company and the solutions that we're developing are relevant to all the different uh, regions in the world. 
Uh, as I indicated, we are working today because we are still a young company with uh, limited resources. Yeah. We cannot develop every possible solution. Today, we're focused on seven types of solution. And uh, as we grow and as we generate revenues, we'll probably apply our technology on many other uh, products as well. We're already, by the way, patenting them. What I didn't indicate is that today there's some sort, you can call it um, an arms race, the patent arms race between the different CRISPR companies. Because if, if you understood, if you identified the needed trait and the gene, if you patent that gene uh, uh, by gene editing it, then you prevent others from accessing the same gene to develop the same trait, making wow. giving you a monopoly over that same trait. Now, if it's an acute and much needed trait on a very important crop, then you master of the world. So today there's an arms race. We have uh, over 52 patent applications, by the way, and for such a young company, it's a lot. And if you look at uh, the different uh, CRISPR companies that exist around, I would say there's about a, uh, a dozen of them. Uh, some of them even have four, I, I saw them claiming 400 different patent applications. So there's an arms race. And whomever today, I would say, is sleeping on their legs and saying, oh, you know, in, in, in five years, I, I, after I see all the errors that the better seeds will do, let's say if, if I'm a multinational large company, said, I will let better seeds do all the errors and then I will do exactly what they do. Sorry, I mean, I can do all the errors, but I still own the patent to the gene. You still have to access me or the, the competitors for, for, for that matter. So um, the, the patents are also very, very important in this field. And in regard to the products, so we're doing cowpeas, bringing plant-based uh, protein uh, as a legume. We're also in another legume, it's peanuts. Also peanuts have a lot of problems. We're talking about uh, reducing the allergens. You know, there's a lot of problems in regard to allergens. There's a lot of problem in shelf life for peanuts and also a lot of problems, the quality and loss of yield in peanuts. So we're applying also our capabilities in order to make them more nutritional no allergens and making them, of course, a, a higher quality and better yield and extended shelf life. That's another solution that we are doing. Um, it's all, by the way, you know, peanuts is also good for oil. Uh, and one of the most, I would say, major, I don't know how much time we have, one of our most ambitious projects is turning orchards or perennial crops or multi-seasonal crops, if you will, into seasonal crops. Wow. Half of the world agriculture is based on orchards, you know, fruit, uh, apples, oranges, etc. So those are trees that you plant them, you wait five, six years until they get to the maturity. The grower invests a lot of money, gets nothing in return. And then afterwards, he, he relies on his ROI for decades of harvesting the fruits wow. to return the investment. Now, here's the problem. There's two issues. Climate change. What if I planted an, an orange tree? That cannot handle a one degree rise in temperature, like happened with apples in the north. The, the grower is screwed. He can invest five, six years, and in five, six years, the temperature will rise. He'll get nothing. Another thing is, I did pick the correct variety that will handle climate change, but the consumer preferences are changing now every two, three years. If people used to consume the same orange for 20, 30 years. They're now, done. after three, four years, you know, no, I don't want that type of variety of orange. I want that type. You're yeah. screwed. And not only that, most of the growers, they don't own the land, they lease the land. So it's That's good to lease it for one season. I do lease the land for 40 years. So many of the growers, they don't want to handle a, a, a orchards. They want to do seasonal crops. And by the way, I did mention a, a manual harvesting, you know, apples and oranges. Well, yeah. You gotta pick them. 
So, so you're not going to make any money. So even if I do everything correct, and then I'm going to pay, pay so much money for somebody to, to harvest the fruits, I'm going to lose it anyway. Who wants that? So what has to be done is changing those crops from multi-seasonal to one season. Meaning that instead of having an apple orchard that uh, will take you five to six years for, to reach maturity and harvesting it for 30 years, and instead of having, let's say, 50 trees in that acre, you're going to have 1,000 small trees in that uh, same plot of land. You're going to have it by one year a yield. You're, going, you're not going to have 100 pounds per tree. You're going to have three pounds per tree, meaning still in the same acre, you're going to get the same yield that you would have gotten in six, in six years. You're going to get them in one year. And since it's small plant, the combine is going to come and it's going to mechanically harvest them. And wow. that's the end point of growing. And then you have this clear plot of land and then you can make a decision. Mm, temperature is rising. This variety is not good. Mm, consumer preference is changing. I'm not going to do that. Or in general, who wants to do apples? I want to do soybean. I want to do uh, tomatoes in the same plot. So it's an amazing. And wow. we began that two years ago and people told us this is science fiction. And in the past eight, nine months, we've seen a lot of science groups around the world speaking about saving agriculture, half of it, perennial crops. We must switch it to seasonal wow. or multi-seasonal. This is that's, our most ambitious. Wow. So that's, you guys are giving people the options of what to grow, when to grow, how to grow it. That's what I'm seeing here. In everything. Exactly. Wow. And okay. that's the thing that will enable us to, to, to handle climate change and food security. Wow. This type of uh, uh, versatility. Wow. Okay. Ido, we're almost out of time, but I just want to say, I, would, I, want, I want to speak to you for hours about this. This is, this, is, this is our future. So it's not just something we can disregard. It's our future. But what you guys are doing is so unique, so amazing. And it's very exciting also. I know you guys are working very hard and you're worried about the crops. But it's very exciting. The technology is very exciting, and it's just amazing to see to see what what's going on. Um, thank you so much for being on. Thank you for explaining everything. And I would love. To, hopefully, we'll speak to you guys again. Hear what Better Seeds are do, is doing in the future because it's only going to grow larger and larger. Thank you for having me. And if you are in Israel, you're more than welcome to visit us. I would love to. Thank you. Thank you, Shao.